It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet, somebody say yet. A ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. This is so powerful. He's saying that even though Bethlehem, you are small in compared to every, everybody else, something good is going to come out of you. And many people don't expect amazing things to happen. So I want to give you eight quick lessons and I'll be out of your way. Is that all right? Are you ready for it? Point number one. God loves using the insignificant. It's that simple. Yet profound. God is the business of using the insignificant. He loves using that which is small. Little acorns grow to a mighty oak. You may be feeling little. You may be feeling insignificant. I am nobody. I'm just, just, just a fish in the pond. I'm, I'm doing nothing great with my life. I'm, I feel insignificant. I don't have people celebrating me. Nobody asking me for my autograph. Yet, the Lord wants to remind you that however insignificant you may feel like, as soon as you come into the hands of Jesus, things come back to life. In the hands of Jesus, dry loaves become fresh. In the hands of Jesus, loaves multiply to thousands. And what might seem like an insignificant village became one of the most talked about village because it welcomed the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in your life. You have no idea what you are capable of when Jesus comes into your life. With Jesus by your side, you're not looking at slow growth, you're looking at multiple impact, generational impact, impact that would last more than a century and in fact 2,000 years later, we are still talking about this village called Bethlehem. Number two, the second thing I want to teach you is your words set the tone for your life. This is very important for us to understand because if you look at Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. So for centuries, it was known as the house of bread. Years later, the real bread was born in Bethlehem. Let's, let's look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life is on your tongue. Death and life. NLT says the tongue can bring death or life. Listen, this is what it is. Heaven and earth may pass away but his word never passes away. God is saying I'm giving you power in your tongue. Declare life. Declare life. It's so easy to tear people down. Before you start criticizing, can you appreciate the good they bring on the table? Choose your words carefully. 
Because there is power. You keep declaring Bethlehem is a house of bread. Bethlehem, house of bread. Bethlehem, house of bread. And boom, the bread was born in Bethlehem. God wants us to believe his scriptures. Not live a life the way it is. You are not a result of the circumstance around you. You are not a victim. You are not a failure. You are a more than conqueror through Christ Jesus. There is power in your words. If you believe that, let me hear an amen. Number three, get ready for number three. Are you ready for number three? All right, number three. Even when the enemy is working, God is still working in your life. Ah, I love that. I love that. You know, in fact, it was Caesar Augustus the king of uh, the, uh, the ruling at that point, he decreed that people were forced to go back to their villages. And, and now Joseph and Mary, who were the parents of Jesus, uh, they were forced to go back to Bethlehem. And it makes no sense. It's like, listen, yes, I am from Bethlehem, but it's been a long time. Now don't force us to go back. My wife is pregnant and she says that it's from God. You know, I'm just trying to handle all these news at one go. Don't add to my chaos. Why why do we have to travel to Bethlehem, all the way to Bethlehem? Listen, Joseph, even though you don't understand certain things, even though it looks like the enemy is hurting you, even though life looks like stress after stress is being doubled on your plate, I just finished with one problem and I have the second problem. And before I've solved the second problem, I have the third problem. When will this end? God is saying, as long as you can simply love me, even in your deepest turmoil, I am going to be responsible to take this and turn this for your good. We forget how God has been faithful even when we were not faithful. How God has been good, even when we were bad. How God has been, even just allowing us to breathe, even when we didn't deserve it. Yet, how quick are we to blame him? How quick are we to reject him? If God is saying, my son, my daughter, no matter what the enemy is doing in your life, if you can just simply call on my name, I will save you. I will take the worst of your problem and I will turn it for your good. The worst thing the devil is doing right now is for your best testimony ever. Number four, God's promises are true to the faithful. God's promises are true to the faithful. It looked like chaos. It looked like trouble. But the Bible says, at the same time, scriptures were being fulfilled. Without our knowledge, God is doing things beyond what we see. Sometimes we don't see why things what are happening around us and it doesn't make sense. We have a million questions and with our limited knowledge, we barely can see what is going to happen tomorrow. But the God that we serve, he is not surprised. He is not shocked. May I tell you, your dad and your mother may be shocked by your behavior. 
But God is not. He knows the end from the beginning. And nothing takes him by surprise. And that is why you can be guaranteed that no matter where you are in life, God has an exit plan for you. God has a salvation plan purposed for you. God has the purpose to save you and to bring you out if you can just remember to call on his name. Number five. I simply wrote it as do that one thing right. Bethlehem was not a dramatic village. Bethlehem was not, uh, uh, didn't have too much action happening. But it did one thing right. That was to host the king of kings. That was enough to change their entire legacy. There are many villages in Israel that we will never hear about. I will never mention by name. But Bethlehem would be said year after year after year. We celebrate Jesus and we talk about Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem did that one thing right. It is not about what you are able to do. It is about what you are called to do. There are so many things that we are not, we are able to do. So many things we are not capable of. It doesn't matter. If we can find out what was I born for? What was I made for? What was I called for? What is the purpose that God made me for? When you discover that, you begin to make history. When you find out why God has called you and what purpose he has for you, everything begins to change. Look at this. Number six, do not despise small beginnings. I like the verse in Zechariah 4 verse 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. This mighty God, this great God, he was going to plan, prepare a plan of salvation to rescue humanity. He chose a humble approach. He said, I'm going with the manger. Start small. Start humble. Do not despise small beginnings. You have to start somewhere. And the reason why many people don't achieve anything in life is because you blame everything. You blame your circumstance. You blame that you don't have a million dollars to invest. You blame that somebody didn't help you. Nobody is with you. Nobody understands you. Your dream is great. Your vision is mighty. But nobody agrees with me. It doesn't matter. Start little. Start with the little that you have. How many of you can think about it? Here was the, the king of glory lying in a manger. There was a gem. Imagine if he waited for the perfect entry, Jesus would have never arrived. Number seven. Don't be afraid of the... One more time. Don't be afraid of the... Anything great always comes with a little of mess. Anything great is not perfect. Is not born in a golden spoon. There's a lot of, lot of things that happen around it. This perfect Jesus was born in a manger and the place was stinking mess. It was dry, cold, and boring, and stinky. 
I don't want to go in there. Because we don't want to deal with the mess. We just want to get to the baby. Many people, we get upset with God. I was reading the Bible the other day in the book of Proverbs and it said that the reason why the fool is angry with God is because he does foolish things and the life goes haywire and he gets upset with God and he blames God for it. How many times have we been there? We mess up our life and then we blame God. And then we say, I don't want this God. Because so and so, no, God is not responsible. Sometimes there are messy stuff, but if you can believe, he is going to do something amazing. Don't be afraid of a mess. Mess is part of life. But the God who cleans up mess lives inside you. He doesn't want you to put up with it. He doesn't want you to get used to it. But he doesn't want you to be afraid of it. Point number eight. I'm going to close with this. Stay under the mighty hand of God. Until he lifts you up in due time. You know, as a pastor, I have, there are many questions that people repeatedly ask. And one of the questions that people ask, what should I do? What should I do? What can I do? It's a question that, that is basically positioned to ask in order to find a way to getting to the answer. And is there a way to get to that answer fast, quick, without too much of pain, tears, and turmoil? The best answer is stay on track. The track will lead you to your destiny. There is a key. Every day, talk to Jesus. Every day. In your car, say a word, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I'm not worthy, but thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you because you forgive my sins. Jesus, open my eyes. What must I do? Stay on track. Bethlehem, for years it existed. For thousands of years it existed. What did Bethlehem do, unique and special, for him to attract this greatness? Stayed. And he just kept on being what it was called to be. And boom, his time of deliverance and destiny came. Just stay at his feet. And this is what, this is what I believe. I believe that ambition, sometimes the enemy uses ambition and distorts us and brings us bitterness in our hearts and destroys our future. But if we can just say, God, today I want to learn how to overcome this sin. Today, I want to learn how to love better. Today, I want to learn how to forgive my enemies better than what I did last week. Today, I want to learn how to be more generous. Today, I want to learn how to be more kind. Make me a better person. Increase my capacity. Increase my understanding about life. Simple things like that is what will bring destiny to you.